Welcome to ZSA Show of Entrepreneurship and Regional Development Podcast. Each publication in our journal is a great opportunity to share significant and audacious contributions to a large audience. My guest today is Robert Smith. He published an article entitled Conceptualizing Animation in Rural Communities, the Village SOS Case. It has been published in 2018 in Entrepreneurship and Regional Development, generally edited by Taylor and Francis. Robert, welcome to our podcast. Uh, thank you for uh, inviting me. Can you tell us what is the origin of your paper? Why have you decided to address this particular topic? And what is the question you aim to answer? The uh, origin of the paper, uh, like a lot of research projects, it has quite a long gestation period. As a doctoral student and as a early career researcher and moving towards my professorship, uh, I was always, um, I've always been fascinated with the concept of uh, the cult of the entrepreneur and the heroic entrepreneur. And it occurred to me through my reading, but also from my experiences uh, as a community constable uh, when visiting uh, when visiting businesses. If you asked for the owner. Uh, you would get the husband. If you asked for the boss, you would get the wife. And uh, it, it occurred to me, even from an early stage, that the whole cult of the entrepreneurship was wrong because in enterprise, it takes a variety of actors to uh, perform uh, what I would call the dance of enterprise. And uh, this I pursue stayed with me uh, through quite a, a you know a lot of research projects, and this is quite a long answer. But in particular, I, as a community constable, uh, I visited a I visited a social enterprise in a village that uh, was the Buchan Development Partnership, and I talked to the lady who operated it and she, I mean, basically the Buchan Development Partnership was a, a council-owned council service which was to give ad enterprise advice to community organisations. Uh, one of these wonderful organisations that's under the radar and uh, over a coffee and a conversation with her, I realised that there, there was something special here. Now, this was an earlier publication in 2013. And in researching it, I stumbled across the concept of animateurship, which is a wonderful theory. Uh, so that was the main theoretical uh, contribution and I'd started off looking at the literature of community-based entrepreneurship, and uh, I found that there was a correlation between that those set of theories and the theories of animation. And animation, animatorship, or animating, is a theory that is very, very big on the continent, uh, Poland and France and Italy, and. It's got its own uh, research community and its own set of conferences. But basically, this animation 
to me, answered a lot of the questions that remain in your head after conducting numerous studies into entrepreneurs. I mean, here was a, a lady, well, two ladies, in fact, uh, who were very passionate about their job. And, they, you know, they were working with uh, village hall uh, committees. They were working with mother and toddlers groups. They were working with people who wanted to set up their own businesses. And rather than adopt the main approach of uh, I'm an expert, here's what you have to do, read this, do that, they sat with the people and they empowered the people to make their own decisions and to own everything they did. And in the background, they provided the contacts, uh, built up their confidence. So it was a long, it's not this heroic entrepreneurship where the hero intuitively sorts everything, lightning speed, you know, this is slow entrepreneurship. So. I, I became fascinated and uh, in talking to uh, my uh, friend, Professor Gerard McElwee, uh, he realised the power of this and he, he, he was doing similar research. So he utilised this. So in uh, 2016, we set out to do a study into it, which became the paper that was published. And uh, so that's that's why this has been a long, slow, passionate uh, introduction into the paper. Uh, what are the, the the main contribution of this paper? I think I think the main I think the main contributions are that there is more to enterprise than entrepreneurship and the heroic entrepreneur. I mean, a whole background, a whole backcast of characters. You know, you have the entrepreneur's wife, or not to be sexist, the entrepreneur's spouse partner, in the case of female entrepreneurs. Uh, you have family, you have uh, children who all uh, family business. Every context is different, but everybody is working towards uh, Uh, an enterprising future and uh, I, I think the contribution of this is that by aligning entrepreneurship with animatorship it allows a place within the both the research and the actual lived entrepreneurial experience of the, the people and it, it allows the community a part in this exciting adventure. It's, it's, it's entrepreneurship, but it's another facet of it. So I think that's the main contribution in that it, it moves us away from focusing on the heroism of uh, the entrepreneur. Yes, it is entrepreneurship is heroic, but it's enter, entrepreneurship and enterprise are interlinked and there is room for more than one overarching theory. There, there, are, there are more detailed uh, findings and uh, in, in the paper, but that's my main takeaway point, is that animatorship allows everyone a place. Because, again, I mean, 
when Gerard and I did this research with Peter Somerville, uh, we, in a way, we've we've conducted a similar thing, uh, you know, a similar fallacy, and that we've made the animator the hero. But what about the animated? What about the actual people in the villages, in the communities, in the social enterprises, who were empowered to realise their own dreams? And, and the power of animatorship, to go back to the Buck and Development uh, case, in that small area of Aberdeenshire, uh, the Buck and Development Partnership initiated, like, about 17 social enterprises over a three, four year period. I mean, that's quite a phenomenal thing. And the respondents for this village SOS, their stories are all equally empowering. So I just think it's the excitement it generates. And I think animatorship generates more of a shared excitement, a shared passion than a traditional focus on the cult of the entrepreneur does. What was for you the, the main theoretical or maybe methodological challenge or challenges in, in addressing such a question? I think the main one was that both Gerard and I and, and uh, our colleague Peter Somerville, we had looked at this and we were convinced that animatorship was something special and it was an up-and-coming theory in, in, in the entrepreneurship research literature. Uh, but the biggest challenge for us was not to bias the research. Uh, so when uh, Gerard had the opportunity to uh, conduct the research, he started off the research. Uh, he had a a list of uh, a list of people and organisations that were part of the village SOS scheme, and uh, so we decided that we would draft our questions. But it's not like a grounded. I suppose it's it was like a semi-grounded theory approach in that we weren't going to mention anything about animatorship that we were going to ask our questions, we were going to conduct our interviews and try to read animatorship out of the responses. So they were very exciting interviews to, to conduct because we had our cues and but we conducted the interviews until at the end of the interview we introduced to the respondents the concept of animation. And in all the cases that we did, the uh, respondents enthusiastically picked up on this and they realised when animation was explained to them that yes, that was what they did. So uh, it came, you know, That was the biggest challenge, not letting the cat out of, of the bag, because uh, you can be very directive sometimes as an academic with a theory when uh, you're time constrained, you're doing all this things, you're juggling many balls in the air. And sometimes I think we can influence the responses we get 
but in 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 these things it was really really encouraging to get the response that we got from the respondents uh, and i think another uh, methodological uh, concern was that we didn't over egg the pudding you know uh, you, you you end up with in, in our case it was we, we chose five of the uh, five of the cases to highlight in in the paper and uh, you know when you're passionate about a theory like we were we were careful not to read too much out of the uh, answers and the responses uh, and that's where uh, our colleague Peter Somerville came in. He was the uh, rational, logical person that uh, looked at our interviews, looked at our coding, looked at our responses and said, yes, I can see that. That's So he, he sort of validated uh, a lot of this. He wasn't involved in the collection of the data like Gerard and myself was. So uh, I learned an awful lot from uh, conducting this research. So uh, Do you there, there, were, there, were, there were lots of other challenges like there were so many interesting stories from other cases that we didn't include uh, that, you know, this could have been a monograph and probably should be, but uh, like other things, it's uh, for an academic, it's it, it's time and uh, overcommitment to various other things. You often don't do justice to the power of the research, but in this case, I think we did do justice to it. And I mean, it, it was wonderful to work with uh, ERD, the reviewers, and, uh, you know, I, I think it helped shape it into a, a really good article, which I think is slowly beginning to gain traction. Uh, there's more and more referenceship uh, in the literature. And citation tales and things, it can take years to build up. But uh, the power of animatorship is that it's applicable across entrepreneurship. I've used it myself in policing criminology studies because you get individuals and in communities that can animate, uh, can animate a community to resist an organised crime group, or to have a powerful community outcome. So, animatorship spans. It's not just a, a another facet of entrepreneurship. It's a universal facet, I think. Uh, anyway, sorry for going. I'm still very passionate about this. During your research journey, what was your biggest surprise, or maybe the most counterintuitive result? I think it's I, I think it's getting back to uh, what I've already spoken about was the response of the respondents when you, when we introduced the concept of animation and animatorship to them is that it wasn't one of these experiences where you explain a theory to something and there's a you know there's a silence they don't get it. 
they all got it. And I think them, the, the, the biggest surprise I got was how impassioned it, it made the respondents like it, it, it empowered Gerard and myself. Uh, so, and they were able to take it and run with it and, and, and uh, fit their experience is into it. Uh, so I think that was the, the the biggest surprise was its applicability. Uh, yeah, you know, because we get used to looking at theories and as a reviewer, you review for so many journals and you look at so many theories and you can see that there's a, ten, uh, a tentative link there. Uh, but sometimes the excitement doesn't just jump from the pages. And when you're sitting in front of a respondent in, a, in an interview uh, data collection exercise, it's quite unusual to get this bubbling up of uh, enthusiasm, uh, you know. So I think uh, the respondents would have looked at this theory and it, although we haven't done follow-up, uh, we should perhaps do follow-up to see if their awareness of animatorship and their animating practices has influenced the way they've conducted their their, their uh, enterprises or their businesses uh, since then. You know, so I think that was the, that was the biggest surprise. Uh, about it all was uh, the applicability of yeah. the theory. And in talking to other academics about it, uh, I think other entrepreneurship academics are beginning to appreciate the power of animatorship. What are the, the main implications of your work for entrepreneurs, managers, policymakers, practitioners in general? I think the implications are that because our research on animatorship, and in particular the paper here that the Village SOS paper we're talking about, is that the implications emerge from the grounded nature of the research and not from any preordained theory or thesis that's placed over something to, to, to explain it at a later date. And because because the data we collected was very much story-based, uh, uh, I think it's because animation and storying are so interlinked that what the animator has to do is take their vision and what they want to move forward. I mean, whether it's to plant a community orchard, whether it's to... Uh, gather a group of people to clear a, a garden or a building to institute something. Uh, when you're working on that at a low budget, it takes a very special set of skills to animate others to give up their time, give up their uh, weekends to work towards a, a collective community aim uh, often with no direct payment. So I, I think the power of this is that from uh, from the perspective 
of policy makers and politicians and things is that this is a very powerful force to unleash on a community. It doesn't it doesn't cost lots of money, but it does need to be handled correctly because it's easy to identify an entrepreneur in a community, but identifying the correct animateur. Yeah. Like one of my respondents in, that I personally interviewed for this research was uh, from a community education background, a council community education background. And she was viewed as an outsider, although she lived in the village. And she was only able to achieve her work for the Village SOS scheme by socialising in the community, going to the mother and toddler groups, going to the pub, going to community meetings, volunteering and ingratiating herself as a local into the community. And through this, she was able to identify that people, not just with the titular power to animate, not so you're not, it's just because you're head of a committee doesn't mean you're the one in the community with the power. It might be the quiet one that sits at the end of the table that hardly speaks, but everybody listens to. So uh, this uh, respondent was able to identify the people who had the power to story and empower the community and the villagers to come together to further everybody's aims. And I think this is one of the things that uh, <coughs> is of interest in uh, policy making. Animatorship is difficult to label because you you have to you have to do a bit of prior research to establish who the the, the true animators are, who the true village heroes are, and I'm using the term village heroes because the paper and this research came out of the uh, the village SOS and previous other studies that Gerard and myself had uh, carried out. Uh, so. I think that uh, animatorship requires an extra, an extraordinary amount of effort and it doesn't always work. And I, I think that the fact that the respondents were all practising it but weren't aware of it shows the true power of it. I mean, they hadn't consciously made a decision to adopt animation as a methodology. So in what I would say to policymakers, you can't label this as let's have an animation project and you tell them that they're involved in an animation project and you throw money at it. This is, this is uh, I think, a deeply sociological and a deeply psychological aspect of human nature. And you sometimes can't get this from reading a research paper such as this one. Uh, you read it and if it's well written and well crafted, it's a good story. You think I can use this in my research. But I mean, I think here is something really special that can be used uh, by academics and by practitioners and policy makers to make a difference in rural communities and 
also in the, our town centres and, and, and things that are under stress with uh, the current uh, financial situations and things. Uh, there's a lot can be achieved without uh, spending millions on it. Uh, if you can get the correct group of people together. And, you know, you get the different levels of animators. I mean, in the paper, it explains various things about the four different types of animators. Interestingly, our five cases chosen, they're all females, they're all ladies. And I'm we're careful not to read anything uh, of a gendered approach into it. But I do think that uh, intuitively, women uh, may be more adept at this than men. And I think that if we had the time and energy to have a follow-up study and talk to men who animate, and there are theirs, those were the, but interestingly, the men were the ones sometimes who dropped out of planned uh, interviews and things or uh, had other priorities on a day. So as an academic, you run with what you've got due to your own time constraints. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that, uh, so you've got your four levels of, of, of community animator, but the five cases we chose were all uh, level one animators. Uh, so, but you need a variety of people, you know, and if entrepreneurship is taking between and the hero takes ideas and takes resources and through bricolage and different uh, processes uh, achieves a result in, 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 a, in a business, primarily business or, or social enterprise context, that's easy to, that's an easy thing to follow. But for animatorship to work, you have to have someone who's driving it and who has the set of skills not to be dictatorial. Uh, they have to have the, the listening skills to appreciate what is required, but connect with the correct people in a community or in an organisation and empower the person to take the next next step to engage with all the other uh, the animated you know uh, we haven't really touched on the animated we, so but so you get these three sometimes four different layers of people involved in animation and i think that's its power because if people in a community are empowered to spend several weekends involved in a project they own that experience and they use it it's just like in uh, community policing uh, a, a big problem in communities is empowering the youth to respect property to respect the community to respect their elders if you come along and say here's a youth shelter for you go and use it. They won't use it. But if you start at a different level and say, for example, what do you need? Oh, we need a place to hang out. Uh, where would you like to hang out? And the youths come up with where they want it. And if they have to be involved in fundraising 
or working on the project, they respect it and they don't uh, they don't vandalise it and they use it. But if you just build a youth shelter for them, they won't use it. <laughs> and this is why animation is powerful because you're you're locking into something that they need, not something that you're trying to sell them. And animators at the various levels they're involved uh, achieve things. So, and it all fits in with uh, Alistair Anderson's theory of entrepreneurship. Thanks a lot, Robert, for participating to our show and presenting your paper entitled Conceptualizing ah. Animation in Rural Communities, the Village SOS Case. Uh, all our podcasts are available on entrepreneurship-rd.com and on the main podcast platforms. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs>